Everybody, you may return to your chairs. Please remain standing. I want to say thank you to the choir from Sebastopol, Mississippi for an outstanding job of singing and worshiping. Before I bring the pastor of this choir to the podium to preach the night Bible message, I want to tell you a little bit about where Sebastopol, Mississippi is at. First of all, it's a metropolitan area of 200 people. If you can't Google it, try Googling Walnut Grove, Mississippi. If you can't Google Walnut Grove, Google Thomastown, Mississippi. And somewhere you'll find Sebastopol, Mississippi. An apostolic church family of 92 years. It all started in the front yard of a country setting, and it grew to a brush arbor. And now tonight, one of the most beautiful buildings and sanctuary and the whole of the Pentecostal movement is in Sebastopol, Mississippi. And the man that will be preaching tonight has served as that pastor for the past 14 years. Brother Mark Copeland, we're delighted to have you as the evening speaker on this, the, cl- the concluding service for Summit 2012. I know you're going to help him preach. I know you're going to rally to him. But let's do it with dignity. Let's make him welcome. Brother Mark Copeland, Sebastopol, Mississippi. Oh, let's lift our hands and praise the Lord together. Could we do that? Would you lift your hands and reach out to Him? He is so worthy. He is so worthy. Come on, He's so worthy. Let's reach out to Him right now. Come on, everybody here, reach out to the Lord together. Come on, He is worthy. He is worthy. How many of you believe the Lamb of God is worthy? Oh, how many of you really believe the Lamb of God is worthy? Hallelujah. 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 God bless you. You can be seated for a few minutes. And uh, Boy, it feels so good in the house of the Lord tonight, doesn't it? How many of you feel at home? Anybody feel at home tonight? I want to first of all say what an honor it is to be asked to speak on this Friday night. Um, Such an honor to be here at the WPF camp meeting. And um, it was not taken lightly. The confidence the executive council put in me to invite me to fill this slot. And uh, that was risky for some of them because they kept saying, I've never heard you preach before. So I don't know how that happens, but anyway, uh, I guess it's faith. Uh, But thank you so much for the invitation to uh, preach. The accommodations around here, first class, beautiful basket in the room. Thank you so much for that. Uh, The WPF does it first class, well appointed, just right. Aren't you glad you're a part of it? Hallelujah. I'm honored that my wife and girls are with me, Savannah and Olivia. 
and my beautiful wife. I'm honored that they're here. They don't always get to come when I go preach, and I'm glad they're here tonight. I'm also glad uh, that our choir was with us tonight. Thank you, choir, for coming. Thank you for taking off jobs and rearranging your schedules to be a part of this. And uh, I'm so thankful, uh, so very thankful that my pastor and pastor's wife and my uncle and aunt, brother and sister McMullen, are here tonight. What a pleasant surprise to have them with us in the house of the Lord. And uh, i got a host of friends here. There's just a whole bunch of friends. I don't want to start calling names, but uh, I am thankful that one of my closest friends and my uncle, brother Tim Copeland's here. And I know if... Uh, Conditions and health would permit it. I know Brother Wayne Cardle and his family would be here tonight. Please be praying for him. And uh, I wish he was here. I hope he's listening on Holy Ghost Radio. I love you, Uncle Wayne. And uh, the preaching at this conference has been so refreshing. It reminds me of a scripture in the Bible. Uh, It reminds me of making a well and a fountain in the valley of Baca. How many of you believe this world has turned into a desolate valley? What a refreshing the preaching has been. Brother Coon, Brother Adams, Brother Elder, Brother Aston, Brother MacDonald, Brother May have set the bar mighty high, and I sure appreciate the preaching that's went on in this count meeting. Does anybody else appreciate what you've heard around here? I give honor to this executive council. I've admired most of these men, most of my ministry. feels a little strange being up on the platform with them tonight. give honor to Brother Kuhn and to uh, Brother Odom. God bless them. Could we stand together? Could we stand together in honor of the ministry and the word of the Lord? We honor this ministerial staff on this platform. I appreciate these men. appreciate these men. How many of you honor the word of the Lord tonight? I honor the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Exodus, Exodus chapter 11 tonight. Um, Exodus, the 11th chapter. Exodus chapter 11 and verse 6. Exodus chapter 11. My, what an anointing of the Holy Ghost that's in this place tonight. Exodus chapter 11. In verse 6, And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. There's going to be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be any more. Verse 7 says, But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast. Why? That you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference. A difference between the Egyptians and Israel. I want to preach to you for a few minutes tonight from this subject. I am not an Egyptian. I am an Israelite. I am not an Egyptian. I am an Israelite. Would you lift your hands? Ask the Lord to speak in this place tonight. Come on, reach out to Him. Thank you. 
Oh, come on, let's praise Him right now. Boy, I feel a move of God trying to take place in this house already. Reach it. Would you reach out to Him? What an anointing. What an anointing that I feel in this house. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, if you want the Holy Ghost to move in this place, why don't you tap in just a little bit? We're, we're going to go the Word, but I, I need His help right now. I need His help in this place. Holy Ghost. God, i got to have you. I've got to have you. I've got to have you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. I so appreciate the messages that were preached this week. And uh, a few of them really, really, really confirmed what I felt to preach tonight. And I want to start by just briefly saying that we have a saying around Pentecost that goes like this. The world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. The devil didn't give it to me. So the devil can't take it away. And I love that and how true it is. But, can I tell you, that I found in 40 years of being in Pentecost, that He can't take our Holy Ghost. But if He can steal our joy... If we're not careful, we'll give it to Him. If He can shake our joy for the journey. I've not had a lot of people in the years that I've been around Pentecost that I know of backslide because the Holy Ghost couldn't keep them. Or God wasn't good enough to keep them. But in almost every case, there has been a loss of joy. Living for God became a drudgery for them. And over time, they were willing to give up what nothing could take. Nobody, nobody, nothing could take it from them. But they gave it up because they lost their joy. And I want to preach to you for just a little bit. And I want to do a little bit of a disclaimer here. I want to start out by saying that, that life is just life. And I'm not preaching that anything can happen that will stop life from being life. There's going to be trials and there's going to be ups and downs and there's going to be hills and there's going to be valleys. If it wasn't life, we'd be in heaven. If it wasn't life, it'd be glory. And so how you differentiate living from God, oh hallelujah, from trouble-free living is we're not in heaven yet. And as long as we're on this earth, we're going to have life. But there's a God that wants to walk the road of life with us. There is a God. Hallelujah. Now I want to start all the way back at the beginning and tell you that God had a plan from the beginning. 
And I know you know that, but he had a plan, and his plan was to fill this earth with his glory. He's, his plan was that this whole earth would be full of worshipers. I believe his ultimate plan was that this whole earth would be full of Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking people. And he's going, he's going to eventually see that plan accomplished. Does anybody believe that? I want to be, I want to be a part of that. But man kept letting God down. Man continued to fail God. And so God started what I don't believe was an alternate plan, but for lack of better terminology, a lack of better way to describe it to you, it appears. It seems that the optimum plan failed not because of man, but because of God. And God started with what I'll use for lack of a better term, an alternate plan. And that was that He would pull a people out and set them up as an example. In fact, we find this being referred to in Deuteronomy 28 when he says, I want to set you up above all the other nations of the earth. Not exclusively. Not exclusively as if to say we're a part of something that you can't be a part of, but inclusively. This is what God was talking about when He said, I want you to be the salt of the earth. I want everybody you get around, I want you to make them thirsty for your God. I want there to be something about the way you live and the way you act. and That everybody you get around says, I, I want to know what God you serve. I, I want to know what makes you different. I am afraid. It is my fear it is my fear that we have in our minds somehow, Brother Aston thought that this was all about us. And it became an exclusive camp. And I somehow want to change my understanding to make it inclusive. God wants everybody. This is for whosoever will. I know I'm not preaching anything you don't know, but just bear with me just a few moments. And so, he finally chooses you you know there's Noah and, and Noah found favor and he tried again and again and again he, he said in, Gen- in, in uh, Exodus chapter 19 he said I want to make you a nation of priests a kingdom of priests what I want to do I want you to set you up as the priesthood I believe I, you, you believe what you want to believe but I believe God's design was to take all of Israel and make them the priesthood and make all the others work and pay tithes to them that's what I believe and, and, and the, all their job would be would just to lift up and glorify the name of Jehovah and that again would have been a step toward the whole earth being full of his glory but again Israel dropped the ball and so God says I, I'll reduce it again and he pulls out a tribe called the tribe of Levi and he said Israel I want you to look at them because I'm going to show you how you could have had it how you could have had it if you would have served me but you will you will pay tithe to them. And, and I believe ultimately the millennial kingdom, uh, that, that's what he's going to have in the millennial kingdom with us as we rule and reign as kings and priests. Again, you don't have to believe that. That's what I believe at this point. But, getting back to the subject, he always wanted to set someone up as an example. To lift them up and say, this is 
how it can be for people that obey my law and live for me and will not stray from my law. And we find in Genesis 12 him telling Abraham, and it will go on into from an Abrahamic covenant into a Davidic covenant, but in Genesis chapter 12, he says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do for you, Abraham. I'm going to set you up above all nations. You're going to be blessed. Your children are going to be blessed. They that bless you are going to be blessed, and those that curse you, that curse is going to turn on them, because you are my people. Now, I am not for those of you that's got ahead of me, I am not preaching a prosperity message tonight. I am preaching a sonship message. This isn't prosperity. This is sonship. Prosperity says, if you'll sow into my ministry, you'll get a Cadillac. Sonship ministry or message says this, if you will be careful to observe all the laws of God, if you will earnestly live according to my law, I will put a blessing on you that will lift you up above the people around you that will not live my law, that will make you the salt of the earth. You'll be so salty that when they get around you, they'll taste it and it'll make them thirsty for the God that you serve. They'll want to know what's so different about you. This started a long time ago with Israel. And I've been amazed as I begin to read about Israel. Israel is the only country in his, the history of the world to revive a dead language that has not been spoken for over a thousand years. Israel is the only nation that's ever been able to accomplish that. They took an old dead language that had not been spoken and revived it, and now is one of the languages of our world. Israel is the only country in history to have more... Nobel Prizes per capita than any other country on the face of the earth. A country that is only a little over 60 years old. Hallelujah. Nations that uh, are more than a thousand years old, uh, but Israel has cropped up among them as one of the greatest nations on earth only beginning in 1948. It has more received more laureates in real numbers than China, Mexico, and Spain. It has the longest life expectancy, with a life expectancy of 81 years. It's the only country to answer the 21st century appeal with a net gain of more numerous trees. They planted more trees in the 21st century than any other nation on the face of the earth, and they're growing these trees in what was mostly desert. But something miraculous happened in 1948. After thousands of years of that area being a desolate wasteland, my God have mercy, when the Jewish feet, when something in the DNA or the spirit or something of those Jewish people began to walk on that soil again, something began to happen in that ground, in that desert 
begin to bloom. Tell me, God doesn't make a difference between His people and Egypt. He said, everywhere you put your foot, I'll bless it and I'll make a difference. Israel is number three in scientific research in the world. A nation that was not a nation a little over 60 years ago. A nation that was not a nation a little over 60 years ago is now number three in scientific research. They're number two in medical research in the world. Israel produces more scientific papers per capita than any other nation in the world by a large margin. It leads the world in patents from medical science and medical technology. Israel has more NASDAQ-listed companies than any country in the world with the exception of the United States of America. All of this, not in a nation that stood for thousands of years, not in a nation that stood for hundreds of years, but a nation that began in 1948. Many of you were already alive. Israel is the only country... Uh, whose indigenous population returned after 2,000 years of forced exile and regained control of their country. After 2,000 years, they marched on this land and recaptured it. It means something for God to say, You are mine. You belong to me. You are my people. And they that bless you are going to be blessed. And they that curse you are going to be cursed. Whatever you touch, I'm going to bless it. My God, have mercy. But there's a key to it. You've got to live my law. You've got to be careful to observe my law if you're going to have my favor. Would you lift your hands and reach out to the Lord? Come on. Come on, God's wanting to do something in this house. Reach out to Him right now. Come on. Come on, somebody reach out in this place. Somebody touch heaven in this place right now. My, 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 my. Come on, I feel my help coming on in this place right now. Jesus. In the 1940s, Shortly after World War II, these people came out of concentration camps. And they gathered in a hamlet in New York City. All they had was the clothes on their back. They were skinny and their bellies were swollen from concentration camps. They had lice, they had disease. And they moved into little hamlets in New York City. And just a few decades later, they were in control of the banking system in New York City. It makes a difference for God to say, you're mine. By the 60s, if you needed your clothes cleaned, you probably got them cleaned at a cleaner's owned by a Jew. If you needed a suit, you probably bought it from a suit shop. My God, y'all going to help me preach tonight. By the 1970s, Jewish names started popping up in the banking system and the world realized these Jews that came out of these concentration camps 
now have their hand on the sackhold of banks all over the nation. They're in control of Hollywood. They own more of Hollywood industries than any other nation represented. What's going on with these people? I got a story for them if they don't know. It started way back in Egypt. When the same thing happened then, as they came walking out of Egypt, stooped, beaten. But God said, I got a plan for you. Now, I got to say this to you. When, when I got to studying this, I found a misnomer. I've heard preachers preach, and if you've preached it this way, I have. Uh, that, that, that for 400 years they were in, they, they were in slavery. That, that, I got to study and that, that's not the case. The slavery, the true slavery, only began a few years before they left. Because for most of that 400 years, there was a king on the throne that God was pulling his heartstrings and saying, do you remember Joseph? These are Joseph's people. You be, you be good to these people. You take care of these people. And if God would not have allowed it to have gotten worse, I believe He could have never got them to leave. They would have been too comfortable being catered to by Pharaohs that were taking care of them because God's hand was on that Pharaoh saying, now those are my people, don't... You be careful with those people right there. That's my people. In fact, the Bible tells us in, in Psalms 105, he, the Bible tells us that He reproved kings for touching them. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says He wouldn't let it, as they went from nation to nation in slavery, He wouldn't let any man harm them. And when kings did harm them, He reproved those kings. But he was ready for them to leave that land and go into a better land. And so there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And the pressure began to be applied only to make them desire for something better. Only to make them desire to go to the land that God had provided for them. And in came the plagues and I won't take time I'm running against the clock and I want to be careful so I'm not I was going to go through the plagues but I'm not going to I'm just going to mention a couple but in every plague that took place in Egypt that plague was not in Goshen Goshen was the place that was given to God's people when it was dark in Egypt it was light in Goshen and hallelujah the Bible tells us that when there were flies in Egypt, there was not a fly in Goshen. Which meant that there was a fly flying around that lost his direction one day and headed into Egypt. And there was an, a, a Goshen and there, there was an angel that stood up and said, Turn around, Mr. Fly. you you got to go back the other way. That, this is where my people live. And there'll be no flies where my people live. Why? Because I draw a line and I make a difference between Egypt and Israel.
that line was never so distinct. That line was never, never so distinct as it was the night that Pharaoh finally decided to turn God's people loose. In fact, we find it in Exodus, the 11th chapter, and in the 6th verse, the Bible tells us that there was a great cry going out in Egypt as they fell over the graves of their firstborn children. The Egyptians are wailing. The Egyptians are crying. The Bible says there's never been a sound like that before. And there never will be a sound like that again. That's what your Bible says. As they wailed and they cried over the death of their firstborn. There's fresh dirt and there's weeping. There's still the stench of dead frogs in the air. There's still people scratching from what's left of the lice and the flies. There's still the stench of blood from the streams and the rivers and the waters. And they're weeping and they're wailing at the same time. What a distinct line between God's people in Egypt is at the same time they're weeping and they're crying uncontrollably. In Goshen, there's a shout and a rejoicing. As they've heard the sound that says it's time to go. And they get up and they start for the new land. And as they go, something comes over them. And as they pass Egyptians, they say, hey, what about going and getting your gold and your silver and everything you got in your house and bringing to me? What, what, what would you think about that? And God had prepared the hearts of those Egyptians. And just like zombies, they just turned around and went to their house and got all their gold and their silver and their jewels and anything precious and brought it back in wagons and gave it to the Israelites. I believe it was, somebody said it, it was robbery. No, I believe it was a payment for 400 years of excellent service. 400 years of 400 years of doing their job and doing it right. And not rising up against them. There was a Pharaoh that recognized what the other Pharaohs didn't recognize. He got to looking at those Israelites and and he said, I'm going to tell you something. Somebody's had you guys duped. Somebody's had you Egyptians duped because I'm going to tell you right now, they're stronger than you are. And they're smarter than you are. And they're livelier than you are. And if you don't do something with those people, there's a blessing on them. And if you don't do something with them, the tables are going to turn and we're going to be working for them. I'm going to tell you what you better do. You better get rid of their firstborn or any son, any son that's born, you better get rid of them. And God worked that thing out to get them out of Egypt. I'm, I'm not going to take time to go into all this because I, I, I had some other things, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump ahead right now. Because you're asking, what do this, does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with me? 
I'm not Jewish born. I'm a Gentile. Well, it has a lot to do with you if you go to the book of Romans. Because in the book of Romans, the Bible tells us a story about adoption and grafting. And, and, and I'm glad it talks about both because adoption gave me the name. When I went down in water in Jesus' name and came up out, that, 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 that was adoption. That, that gave me the name. And I'm thankful to have the name. I'm proud to carry it. I proudly carry the name of Jesus. But I'm so thankful it didn't stop there. But in Romans 11, it says not only do you have the name, but it says you're grafted. Has anybody in this house ever had a skin graft? Anybody in this house ever had a grafted organ? You know what happens after a little while? After a little while, the doctor wants to know if that graft took. And the way he knows if that graft took is he gets in there and he checks through whatever means, x-ray or whatever, what he's looking for to see if the blood vessels of the original body have hooked up and linked up with the blood vessels of what was grafted in. And if the blood vessels have, have attached, then that means the blood from the body is now flowing and supplying the life oh God have mercy of what's been grafted in and it has become a, a part of the original this is why I can sing oh yes oh yes I'm a child of a king his royal blood it now flows in my face and I who was wretched and poor and blind now can sing oh yes oh yes I'm a child of a king my God somebody cry out right now come on somebody cry out to him right now come on come on somebody cry out to him right now Come on, somebody cry out to the Lord. Jesus! You can be seated. So I hadn't just got His name. I hadn't just got His name, brothers and sisters. I got His blood! goes on to say that because I've got His blood that I can take part in the fatness. That's what it says in your Bible. I can take part in the riches and the fatness of what God promised His people. It means that God has set a difference between me and the people of this world. But before you get heady and high-minded, it's not about you. It's about Him. 
He's not doing it to make you rich. He's not doing it to put you in power. He's doing it the way the sun loans its light to the moon. Oh, it takes an indigenous people from the backside of nowhere, uh, somewhere that's not in touch with society, to worship the moon. There, there are those that do. It does not realize. They do not realize it's an inanimate object. It, it's just hanging there. Everything, every power it has is a borrowed power. The real light comes from the sun. All it does is gathers up the light of the sun and I stores it away so it can offer it to people that don't have the ability to see the sun at that time in their life on their own. And so this blessing is not about you. It's not about to make you a fat cat and a big daddy and a rich. It's to lift you up. The rest of the world's walking down here and God puts you up here somewhere. And He says you walk with dignity and you walk with authority so that they will look at you and say, what is it about those people? And He takes someone that don't know anything, uh, somebody so carnal that knows nothing about spirituality to start worshiping their own flesh and think this is about me and it's about lifting me up and... It's about you showing somebody else that if you'll live His law, if you'll you'll fall in love with Him, if if you'll find His favor, be seated because i got a long way to go. I'm going to tell you something. I, I worry about people that have been in the church so long and they still think living for God is about them. He saved me and it's all about me and... I'm not going to hell anymore. And Do I have to stop doing this to be a Christian? Do I have to stop doing... You know, I don't, I don't mind that new converts, but somebody's been in the church 15 years, that starts bothering me. It means that they have missed the nugget of all that. If you can ever find favor with God and find how to live in that favor... You stop all asking, you start asking questions like, God, is there anything I can do to get more favor? What can I cut out of my life? What can I let, what disappoints you in my life? I, I want to draw closer. I, I like this favor business. I, hallelujah. Well, I better move on. And I'm almost through, but. I'm almost through. Don't come to the music yet, though. I'm not quite through. But I'm almost through. I, I, I'm weary with people that's been in the church for years and, 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 and they still think, and you know what? I say it. It was said today. And there's nothing wrong with it except somewhere you've got to shift out of that gear into higher gear. It's, it, it's, it's still the sincere milk. You've not got to the meat. You've not got to the understanding when your attitude still is. Well, if I'd have been the only one, He'd have went to the cross just for me. That's fine. I believe that. But that's so self-centered. That's still got you. You're still cornipicus. you still got everything revolving around you. I want to make this statement. I believe for me, 
the number one purpose God filled me with the Holy Ghost was to be a witness. The number one benefit, the number one benefit I receive is it saves me. But I can't get the purpose mixed up with a benefit. I believe you've got to have the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues to be saved. But if I think that's it and that's the sum of it, I get full of the Holy Ghost, get in the choir and sit down on a pew somewhere. If I can realize that the purpose is that I would be a light, that I would be a salt. The Bible says, who takes a candle and lights it and puts it under a bushel? Who fills someone full of the Holy Ghost, lights them up, and then allows them to get under a, a basket of carnality? And self-will. And it's all about me. Somewhere i got to get that basket off. That flesh and that carnality off. You know what we need? We, we need a revelation of who we are. I think Pentecost has got an awesome revelation of who He is. I'm not sure we got a revelation of who we are in His economy. Of who I am. My God. My God. And so, what happens here? Well, somebody said the original, the original sin was rebellion. And I, I, I can go along with that, but... I'm afraid what we do is we cut off the buds instead of getting to the root. I think in Pentecost I've been guilty of dealing with symptoms. Don't cut your hair. Don't don't do this. Don't. We got to get to the source of what causes that. What caused? What caused Eve's rebellion? I'm not nearly concerned. It's what she did. It's what caused her to do it. There's only one thing that it could have caused her to eat of that fruit when she was commanded not to. And that was she didn't believe God's words. Unbelief. I believe that's why God has such a problem with unbelief and no faith. I've seen a trend in the apostolic movement of late that scares me. It's happened in the last few years since this bad economy. People that once walked erect with a, with a deaf look in their eye. I've noticed a difference in their giving. I've noticed a difference in their stance. I've noticed a difference in their talk. Oh, it may get quiet here for just a minute, but that's all right. That's all right. Quiet makes me preach better. I've seen a difference in this apostolic movement. I'm afraid that's what, what's going on in our world 
has shaken the faith a little bit of the church. Brother Adams, because I'm hearing apostolic people do a whole lot of talking about bad economy and no jobs and Obama and passing laws and Social Security. It wasn't long ago at my church that I asked our people, I said, I'm asking you to do something for me. Turn off Fox News. Turn off CNN. Forget it. Leave it alone. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because when you get in the car, it's on pounding your brains out with negative. When you're at the house washing the dishes, it's on. Wherever you go, it's on negative, negative. Everything's going down. Everything's going under. Everything's sour. It's the plague of the lies, of the lice and the... Oh, if I could type it to Egypt, it's the plague of the flies and the plague of the blood and the... And we got Israelites over there listening to all that. Oh, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? It don't have anything to do with you. You're not an Egyptian. God has thrown a line between you and each other. Apostolic church, God drew a line. There are no flies in Israel, there are no flies in Goshen. Please be seated. I got to get through. Now, somebody said, But you don't understand, Brother Copeland. I lost my job. You don't understand. It has affected me. Let me explain something to you. A Jew is born. A Jew is born. But a Gentile only acquires this by faith. I'm going to let you think on that a little bit. A Jew can't help being a Jew. They got the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant. It's just on them. The problem with you and me, you and I, is the only way we get this is we've, we can't be like Eve. We've got to believe. You need a revelation of who you are. That makes you turn Fox News off and turn CNN off and get your head up. Say, I'm a child of a king. I'm bought with a price. I don't care how dark. Some other said the economy's bad. Whose economy? Not mine. I'm on God's economy. If anybody's going to have a job, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to be blessed, it's going to be me. Brother Copeland, what are you going to do if gas prices go to $10 a gallon? I'm 
I'm going to fill my car up and I'm going to drive. How are you going to do that? I don't know. Be seated. But I never one time, never once, tried to draw my daddy a road map of how to put shoes on my feet when I was growing up. Never one time. Never one time did I worry about how daddy was going to put biscuits on the table or shoes on my feet. I just knew my daddy. And if it took three jobs and working all night, they were going to be there because he was my daddy. I didn't have to worry about how. I just wore the shoes. I didn't have to worry about how. I just ate at daddy's table. I didn't worry about how. When I got in the shower, I turned the hot water on and it was there. It was there. Be seated. And God said, the disciples and His people got a little worried and a little concerned. And Brother Tiller... God said, you can't serve two masters. This world's out there and they're chasing money and they're chasing finance. And if they get it, they're not happy. Most of the time they don't get it. They wind up with holes in their pockets. But God's plan for His people is He said, you don't chase that stuff. You chase Me. And if you chase Me, these things, Matthew 6 and 33, if you'll seek Me, if you'll seek Me, if you'll chase Me, these things that Egypt worries about, you and tackle you and overtake you. I need somebody to read for me as I'm closing. Who'll read for me? Who'll read for me? Thank you, brother. Get your Bible and read for me. I want you to go to Deuteronomy 28. Begin with verse 1. Be seated. I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm telling you, I'm winding to a close. Choir and people from my church just act like that means something. Get a hopeful look in your eye. I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear what I'm preaching right now. I'm preaching a word to some people that your church is suffering because of you. Since 2008, you, you quit giving like you was giving. Some of you quit paying tithes like you ought to pay tithes. Some of you have backed off on giving to missionaries. Missionary funding's down. You know the problem with all of that is we're still driving the same cars and going to the same restaurants. The only person that's got a cut really is God. All right. God's the only one that really got a cut. We're still living in our houses. We're still going out to eat. All right. 
I'm going to make a statement. And I'm going to make this statement not because I'm preaching it. But I really believe it in my heart. It wouldn't matter who was preaching it. I believe this revelation is what's going to take the apostolic movement into the great revival that God wants to bring the church. I think we got God seized off. You say, why? Uh, the disciples that walked around, they didn't have to have money. Yeah, yeah, well, I tell you what, when we all go start sleeping under the stars, and when we start having these count meetings out under tents and coal oil lanterns, we won't need money. But the fact of the matter is, you just can't do it like that in 2012. And the second fact of the matter is, we don't have to. I'm going to tell you, God wants to raise up men in this congregation that God can trust. That if He'd open the windows of heaven on you, that you'd give to missions and you'd give to your church and you'd give to revival and you wouldn't start buying guns and four-wheelers and fancy trucks. And There's men in this place tonight. You need to arise to the occasion and stand behind your pastor and say, Pastor, I'm going to be the man that makes it possible for you to do missions, build churches, start churches. It's going to come through my business. It's going to come through me. It's going to come through me. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm not an Egyptian. I'm an Israelite. He said, I'll tell you what you do. You seek first the kingdom of God. Because no man can serve two masters. You're either going to serve money, or you're going to serve me. And if you serve money, if you do get it, you're not going to enjoy it. And the greatest chance is you're always going to chase, be chasing something that's just out of reach. But he said, if you will take no thought for what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat and all those things, and just seek me, I'm going to tell you what I'll do. Deuteronomy 28. And it shall come to pass, mm -hmm. if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Yes. To observe and to do all his commandments, yes. which I command thee this day, uh -huh. that the Lord thy God uh -huh. will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. All right. And all these blessings shall Here, come on, on thee. Here's what the world does. This is money, blessings, and things. And God's back here somewhere. But God said, uh -huh. if you will just look at me, it can't be like the charismatics. You can't be in love with Hollywood and the things of this world. And you got to get your eyes upon Him and diligently, diligently live His law. What does it say will happen? And all these blessings shall come on thee. As you're living for God. And overtake thee. And thou shalt hearken, if thou shalt hearken, unto the voice of the Lord thy God. That's the way blessings do for people that don't chase blessings. But diligently chase the favor of God. 
I'm not an Egyptian. I'm an Israelite. Listen, I got to get through. I got to get through. You know what it says? I won't have him read it for time. It says you'll be blessed in the field. You'll right, be blessed. In the right, field. Everything right, you do will be blessed. Right, right. Now, I've went to a number of foreign countries. The most amazing thing that ever happened to me. I saw a lot of things. But the thing that got a hold of me the most was we'd be driving around in third world countries where everything was desolate. There was no grass. Beggars on the streets. People in terrible clothing. People. Dark eyes. Wanton eyes. Break your heart. Those of you that's been there know what I'm talking about. Shacks and shanties. Not like the United States. No manicured lawns. No, Just yards and stick huts. But then all of a sudden, you would come up on an oasis. It was such a stark contrast that you can't believe it's there. A gated building with beautiful lush grass and huge Victorian columns and standing in front of that gorgeous white stone building would be an American flag waving. The American embassy in a third world country. And I would, as tears would well up in my eyes, I'd say, that's where I'm from. That's my place. And I would say in my heart, it's no wonder these people look at that and say, I'd love to go there. That's what God wants to make you on your job. salt please don't lose your savor listen I know you're standing but listen to me church the devil wants us to go on our jobs and stand at the water cooler how you doing man oh fair and middling hey my head's still above ground I'm surviving Hey, man, I'm making it. Barely making it. Boy, we're in a mess, ain't we, pal? This country's in a mess, ain't we? How you doing? Well, I'm, I'm Obama, and that's what I'm doing. I'm just Obama, man. I'm just barely making it. Just, boy, if, it's, if something don't happen, I don't, they don't do something. I... You know what happened? The American embassy has taken down its flag. It's quit repairing the windows. It's blending in to its surroundings. The American embassy has decided instead of standing, my God, you've got to hear what I'm saying. Instead of standing erect and tall like the land it's from, it's going to be affected by the economy of the country that it's in. I'm going to tell you something. The American embassy in Brazil, is never affected by Brazil's economy. It operates on America's economy. Oh, bear with me just a little bit. I hadn't preached that long. I'm almost through. 
The American embassy in Belize does not operate on Belize's economy. It operates on the United States' economy. My God have mercy. And it's time for the church. You know what? You, you, you wouldn't have to ask for Bible studies. You wouldn't have to ask anybody to church. When you go in as the church and you're talking about the economy and you're sadder and you're more down than anybody on your job, when you say, would you like to go to church with me? Well, no. No. Uh-uh. Well, what would happen if we would get a revelation of who we are? Walk into our job when they say, how you doing? Hey, I'm blessed. That's what I am. I'm blessed. Everything okay? You better believe it's all right. Let me ask you something. When, when, when the preacher asked the little lady, how is it with your husband? All is well. How is it with your son? All is well. How is it with thee? All is well. Was she lying? Of course not. Why? Because she's a child of the king. She made a room in her house for the man of God. It don't matter how things turn out. That's up to God. Is God going to heal my son? I don't know, but it don't matter. If he don't do that, he'll do something else. I don't have to draw him a road map. I'm just his child. All is well. It's time for the church. To get your chin up. All is well. Why? Because I'm not an Egyptian. I'm an Israelite. Somebody cry out. Come on, music. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Somebody cry out to the Lord. My God, God's fixing to do something in this house. Come on. God's fixing to do something in this house. Come on, God's about to do something in this place right now. Don't stop. I need somebody to reach out right now. I need somebody to reach out. Come on. Come on, somebody reach out. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, God's about to do something in this place right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. I'm telling you, God's about to do something miraculous in this house. Nobody looking around just a moment. Everybody entertaining the Holy Ghost. Nobody looking around just a moment. Everybody entertaining the Holy Ghost just a moment. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Nobody looking around. I'm begging you to obey the Holy Ghost. Just, just eyes closed. Just reaching out to the Lord. I want you to listen to me just a second. I'm glad my church is here because that way they can... I can't tell anything's not the case. I wouldn't anyway, but you can just look at them. But I started preaching this about five years ago in my church. And it has totally revolutionized and changed the direction of our church. I started encouraging our people. Go in business for yourself. If you drive a truck, quit driving a truck for somebody else. Open up your own trucking business. Man that used to work for Yellow Freight just put his 16th or 17th truck on the highway. 
He ain't making $20 an hour anymore to make somebody else wealthy. No. He's got 17, 18 wheelers on the road. And he just came to me and said, Brother Copeland, I want this church to be able to have the finances to do anything it wants to do. You know what I'm, you know what the trucking company's gonna do? We're gonna start paying the church note every month. Right at $10,000 a month. We're gonna pay that church note. at a free up cash for the church to do what it wants to do. I'm gonna tell you there's people in this house. It's time for you to quit sad sacking around. And waiting for Obama to bail you out or waiting for somebody to bail to pass? It's time for you to quit sad sacking around worrying about the economy. Dragging your tracks out with your bottom lip. It's time for you to get a revelation of who you are. I'm a part of heaven's embassy. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm in Egypt, but I'm an Israelite. I operate on a, on a different economy. don't have to do better for me to do better God will move kings around he'll reprove he'll reprove kings for my sake my God I wish I could get somebody to believe this I wish I could get somebody to believe this you know what it's time for you to do brother pastor it's time for you to build that church Quit shaking and trembling and worrying and wait for things to change. We don't need a, we don't need a Republican in office. We need the church to realize who she is. My God, I wish somebody turned loose and shot right now if you believe that. I don't need a Republican. I need to realize who I am. Somebody turn loose and obey God. Listen. I want some of you men. Brother Caleb Adams, I know you believe this. Come up here. Come up here. Stand and face this congregation. Some of you other preachers. Brother Young, come up here. I know you believe what I'm preaching. Some of you others that believe what I'm preaching. I want you to line up across here. This is how we're going in this. We're going to start. You know what? You don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to be ashamed. I'm telling you right now, there's some pastors. There's some pastors' wives. That fear has been operating in your heart and your spirit. You're scared to build. You're fearful to have revival. You're fearful to call in evangelists. How are we going to pay for it? How's it going to work? The offerings are down. Things have changed. You know what? Satan has gripped some of our churches. They're in a death hole of fear of the economy. You know what? I got. I got to make one statement. I got to make one statement because I believe it's so strong. It's a little bit off the subject, but it's really not. But I need to make it right now because I feel in the Holy Ghost to make it. I believe God showed me. I believe God gave me this as a revelation. When I told my people, 
I want you to, if you can't handle the newspaper, quit subscribing to it. If you can't handle Newsweek, quit getting it. If you can't handle, in fact, I didn't ask them if they can't handle Fox News because I can't compete with it. I get them, I get them three to four hours a week to preach hope and favor and blessing. And Fox News has got them 24 hours a day with negative and, and I, I, there's not enough good to overcome. But here's the real problem that God showed me. God showed me that Fox News, CNN, these news agencies, everything's changed. They're the ones controlling the election. They're the ones controlling everything. But here's the deal. That's not all they're doing. They're controlling the minds. And I'm going to tell you what they're doing. They're preparing the world through fear for the Antichrist. So you go ahead and give your mind to that. You go ahead and let them do all your thinking and put all kind of fear in your heart. And when He shows up, He will be your Savior. He'll have all your answers. But it's time for the church to decide I'm not of this economy. I'm not of this nation. I'm not... I walk above this economy. I'm of a higher order. I'm a heavenly embassy. Listen, there's some whole mission pastors. I'm going to tell you who I really feel in the Holy Ghost. I feel like there's some pastors' wives having panic attacks and you're fearful and you're starting to second-guess decisions your husband's making. I think you need to come to the front of this building. I think you need to be honest enough to say, hey, I've been heavily affected by this. I think you need to let the men of God lay hands on you and cast off that doubt. You know what we need to do? We need to leave this count meeting and go home and build. You need to pull out the stops. You need to trust God. It's not all. It's not all. One last thing. You know what they said? The Bible says not only do you have to serve Him, but you have to do it with joy. I ran out of time and never got to that, but that's really the deal. See, if He can make you fearful, then your joy goes. The next thing you know, all you're doing is existing. You're just surviving. Just trying to hang on. That is not the will of God. How will your church turn your city upside down if it's known as the peanut brittle church, the chicken dinner church, you, you having to go to them? They're supporting you. They're keeping you alive. I told our church when God gave me this revelation, I said, no more peanut brittle chicken dinners. That. I'm going to tell you something. When we were doing all that, that's how we were living. That's how we were surviving. Chicken dinner, peanut brittle, used refrigerator. Can, can, does anybody have a used ice machine to bring up to the church? 
But I sat there one day, I said, if he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Why? If I tell the owner, am I going too long? Can I, can I finish? If I tell the owner of the hardware store in my town, he needs to help my, Jesus get a used refrigerator. How can that God save him from his alcoholism if he's weak enough that he can't afford a refrigerator? God says, I'm going to tell you, if you will believe me, I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the personal reference, but it's, it's all I know. We went from 28 people in a little brick building that didn't even have a water fountain. Until ten years later, we have built a building in that community that they come from miles. They drive from Jackson. They drive from Meridian. They drive from Alabama. They drive from other states. There's not a seating capacity anywhere in 20 miles of our church that even compares. And ten years ago, ten years ago, it was a major deal to raise the money, $700 to get a water fountain. Same people, but they got a revelation of who they were. I don't care who the president is. It don't matter to me what happens. I'm I'm an ambassador to my area of what it means to serve Jesus Christ. Right now, let's reach out, let's reach out, reach out.